1: Toyota, let's go places. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant that makes the Stuff You Should Know. As if you didn't know, you know. You know. Yeah, we trust you. We work for a website called HowStuffWorks.com, and we are going to take an article at random from the site right now. Never seen it before, and we're just <laughs> going to start talking about it. You ready, Chuck? Sure. Here, I'm spinning the wheel. And stop! Oh shoot! It what almost,
1: is it? It almost landed on the Batmobile.
0: Oh, what is it instead? I can't. I can't be I bothered says, to look to the right. Crossbows. Okay. How crossbows work? Yeah. All right, let's start talking. Just off the top of my head, Chuck, have you ever seen the TV show Walking Dead? Yeah. Awesome show.
1: And nice choice of weapon.
0: I know you saw it. Uh, I just got into it. You mean I watched the first six episodes, the first season? Yeah. God, it's so good. Have you started season two yet? Not yet, so don't tell me anything, okay? I don't want to know if Nate Fisher dies. There's still zombies out there. Okay, good. Okay, that's a spoiler I'll give you. Good. Good. Uh although I have to say I'm not very happy with that one subplot of like the sexual tension subplot, that conflict that's brewing and hasn't really Yeah, you know, that's the B line. So um but overall I think it's an awesome show. Agreed. And I think like you said, Daryl Dixon's choice of weapon is pretty awesome. If not very practical, it's pretty awesome. And that that's is the crossbow. Yeah. Yeah, it is quiet because you don't want to alert the zombies. The geeks. But he has a finite amount of arrows or bolts mm-hmm. <laughs> that he has to go retrieve from the heads of zombies that he's just shot between the eyes yeah. after they fall.
1: If I was him, I'd hit up a hardware store or a sporting goods store and get a bunch of those. Yeah. Like in Red Dawn.
0: Yeah. Load up. Yeah. Man, so I
1: every time I that watch that show, show, I keep telling Emily, I'm like, they have everything they want. Like, they're, It's like a struggle to get gas. There's cars everywhere. Yeah. And it hasn't been that long. It's not like 100 years after where everything has been raided,
0: there's still stuff everywhere. Yeah, and there's very few people to raid. Yeah. It's fine. All right. Go get some arrows. <laughs> They're reusable. In fact, the shot in Atlanta. I'll tell them where you can pick some up. I'll send, <laughs> where, I'll send Norman Reedus an email. Where would you send them?
1: Uh, go over to uh,
0: Dick's Sporting Goods. Oh, okay. You, you, got go folks, for, the, like, you uh, for the chains? 10, 10 for a dollar. Not the mom and pop <laughs> Ar- Army Navy stores? Uh, yeah, I would go to one of those. Okay. Support small business. Exactly. Go to Bob's Bolt House. <laughs> <Or indicator. laughs> I love Bob's in the Bolt District. Uh, so Chuck, you've seen a crossbow before then. Yeah. Obviously, I want to buy one after this. Yeah. I, I kind of like one too. I don't know that either of us should be trusted with one. No. Um, obviously somebody took a bow, bow and arrow, slapped it on top of a rifle and said, I just made me a crossbow. That's what happened. And it's probably a very recent origin. The end. Good night.
1: <laughs> Not true, Josh. Liar. Archaeologists like Indiana Jones have found crossbows uh, as far back as 2,500-year-old Chinese graves. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Um,
0: and they think that it may be as much as uh, 4,000 years old, that that technology in China. Yeah, 2,000 B.C.,
1: Yeah, perhaps. Um, they appeared in the Mediterranean by the 4th century A.D., Roman military used them. Mm-hmm. It's written down in the in the text. I love this guy's name. Oh, Flavius veg, uh, Vegetius. <laughs> vegetius. Renatus.
0: Yeah, <laughs> his family invented broccoli.
1: They called him Flave, though. Right, you know they did. Uh, they were all over Europe during the Middle Ages. The crossbow was basically,
0: like you said, uh, rifle meets bow. Right, but this is long before anybody thought of a rifle. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> But I mean think about it, you like that's what you think it is. It's got yeah. like a trigger and there's a stock yeah, and yeah. all that stuff, but it's it it predates the rifle by many thousands of years. Didn't Da Vinci draw one of these up too? Yeah, see. Oh, that was in there. Yeah, it's uh it's page 0 art chuck. Oh. Um the uh there's a, a common among the Mediterranean and the Chinese crossbow were the bow obviously Sure. the stock, which mm-hmm. is also called the tiller. Mhm. And um, the, a groove in the stock or the tiller that the arrow or bolt flew down. Yeah. Um, a trigger. Trigger. But the trigger mechanisms were different. Apparently, if you were in the Mediterranean, your trigger firing your trigger triggered the firing mechanism by uh, nut twisted nut, right? Okay. If you were in China, it used some uh, bolts and levers system of levers that uh, fired the or released the string and yeah. fired the bolt and these firing mechanisms are different enough that archaeologists believe that they were independently conceived of in China and in the Mediterranean that's pretty cool yeah uh,
1: most uh, another common device uh, you'd see most often is a stirrup and if you ever look at a crossbow you'll notice that it has a little uh, steel, stirrup on the front of it where you can put <laughs> There's your foot. No better word I for it. I was trying to think of one, but it's a stirrup. <laughs> so what you do is you put it on the ground and put your little foot in that stirrup so you can hold it down real tight, mm-hmm. and, you, and you pull it back, pull the drawstring back with both hands, apparently equally, yeah. on both sides. That's yeah. important Yeah. because you don't want it out of whack. And no, then, if it's
0: off balance, the arrow's not going to fly straight. No. Or gonna be zombie true
1: meat. Uh, and so you pull it back and you, and you hook it on a, you know, they're all different, but you hook it on a little peg device that will be released by pulling the trigger. Yep. And that's the basic fundamentals.
0: So the the crossbow doesn't just look cool. It has some but actual it does, does look <laughs> very cool. It has it poses some actual advantages over the bow. And the bow's been around since before people even knew how to write or knew that there was such a thing as writing because yeah. there wasn't yet. Right. Um and so what the Crossbow does is it takes the bow and all of its disadvantages and says, Well, here, let me add this and let me add that, and let me change this a little bit and all of a sudden, now any fat slob can shoot a bow and arrow, yeah if you got a bow if you if you're not if
1: you're a traditional bowman or an archer <laughs> is bowman even a word? I think it is now all right if you're a traditional archer, you are probably pretty strong and you might be sort of tall, and you are pretty quick because um. It's a pretty quick process to draw up the bow. Yeah. Aim it and shoot it. You've seen Lord
0: of the Rings. I've
1: seen Lord of the Rings. But the longer it takes you to aim, the more tired you're gonna your little arms are gonna be, the less accurate you're gonna be. Yeah. With a with a crossbow, you know, you can cock that thing and you're done.
0: Right. It it just sits there cocked indefinitely
1: until you pull the trigger. Yeah, I wouldn't walk around like that <laughs> unless you're like a hunter, maybe.
0: Or some jerk. Yeah, but don't do it in your backyard. Um so it takes that that need for endurance yeah in in you know holding it waiting for somebody to come around the bend and then yes
1: and like you said it also introduced a whole new uh subpar breed of warrior (laughs) because (laughs) if you were a great archer that means like i said you're probably strong probably a little bit taller for the age because people were shorter back then yeah longbow was stronger shot straighter and further so you wanted to use a longbow but uh you know if you got a crossbow you can,
0: if you can pull that thing back that's all you need to do but sometimes you didn't even need to pull that thing back well you can pull that thing back generally because you're using a stirrup right which means you're using your foot yeah and if you have a little hook attached to your belt then you're you're doing a squat yeah and that's how you're pulling, that's how you're cocking the crossbow. That was so a really lazy knight <laughs> <you're>, <laughs> at the, hook right, the front exactly. of his armor. Well, I imagine it's probably like a dwarf or maybe an elf. Like, you know, elves are kind of undeveloped. Sure. Um, but you're, you're standing up basically to cock the bow, the crossbow. And, um, you're using your buttocks and your thigh muscles, which are the strongest muscles in your body. That's right. So you could just be like a total upper body wuss. But ripped from the waist down, you're a crossbowman. <laughs> or a cross archer.
1: That's true. Uh, but what I was saying was, it was with the crannikin. Sometimes you didn't even have to pull it back at all. Yeah. Because, uh, in 14th century Europe, they began making this thing, this device called a crannikin that you could put on your crossbow, had a little toothed wheel and a crank, and it would basically pull
0: the, the, string back for you. Yeah, you're just cranking it like you're opening um, your grandmother's windows at her house. Yeah. You know, like the little crank thing? But it, as you're doing that, it's cocking the bow, but it's cocking a bow that you couldn't possibly cock yourself, which means that you're about to shoot a bolt that can go right through a tree, or pretty significantly deep into a tree, or better yet, into a warhorse or a human being. That's right? right. The problem is it takes forever to crank the Kranikin. And in some cases, some models, you had to crank the crannikin, get it cocked, and then remove the crannikin, put the bolt in, and then shoot. So it was very powerful, yeah. but it was very slow, which is <laughs> no one good. disadvantage of yeah. a crossbow.
1: I wouldn't have wanted one back in the day.
0: No. But if you were in China and you wanted to get some shots off pretty quick, they had a crossbow for you. They had automatic crossbows. It, that shot several bolts a second. That's crazy. It had a magazine that would just feed bolts into the uh, into the crossbow, which would um, cock through lever, levers. The moment it was cocked, it would shoot the bolt, and then another bolt would come down. And the moment it was cocked, another bolt it would shoot it, and so on. And so, if you were going really fast, you could just rain bolts down on somebody. The problem is, is um, it was fast, but it wasn't very accurate, and it wasn't very deadly. But it probably scared the tar out of people who saw yeah. it. and the bolt didn't travel that fast. It was fast to shoot, but right. not fast in flight.
1: Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. But I I tried to find a picture of that thing because I could not fathom it in my brain. Yeah. And I couldn't find any, obviously, because it was a long time ago. Yeah. It was was pre-pictures. Right. Uh, Let's talk about physics, Josh, because this is my favorite thing to do.
0: Well, this is a Tracy (laughs) Wilson article, so of course there's going to be a section on the physics of crossbows. Yes, there is. Um, So a bow is basically a spring. Did you know that? I did. I used to shoot. Did you really? You knew that a bow is basically a spring? Well sure. I read that like four times. Really? Yeah. I I think that's very neat. So like a take a bed spring. All right. And I heard you. I heard that you used to shoot. I want to know about it. We'll get into that. But I'm just like knee deep in the physics now. I know. Um you take a spring, you stretch it out. What you've just done is um generate well, you haven't generated it, but you've just somehow amassed uh elastic energy.
1: Potential energy. Potential energy yeah.
0: through the elasticity of the spring. Yes. Okay. As you're holding it, all of that energy is potential. It's like, just let me go, and I'll do some crazy stuff. I have so much potential. The moment you let go, the potential energy becomes kinetic energy. I believe we talked a lot about this in roller coasters. Yeah. Um, The same thing with the bow. When you pull a string that's connected to either end of the bow, you're pulling the bow back. You're changing its shape. Mm It's like a spring being stretched out, but in this case, the bow is just being brought together. Yeah, the limbs. Um, And then when you let go... The bow springs back to its original shape, Mm -hmm. drawing suddenly the string highly taut. You have an arrow uh, attached to that string, Mm -hmm. and it sends that arrow shooting forward at incredible speeds. The physics of a bow also apply to the physics of a crossbow.
1: Yeah, and if you never thought about it, it is interesting because it's not a little toy string that's elastic. The string stays the same length, you know. Right. You're pulling the, the pulling the limbs together. Yeah. And then when you let go the limbs go away from you very suddenly. The amount of energy a bow can hold, Josh. You can figure that out actually. It's draw weight mm-hmm. is the amount of force required to draw it back. And it's draw length is the distance between the bowstring's position at rest and when drawn. And the total amount of energy that a bow can hold is approximately mm-hmm. equal to the
0: draw weight times draw length divided by two. Yeah. And then usually that's that's expressed in... Um, joules? Foot pounds or joules. <laughs> yes. Oh, is it joules? Yeah. Oh, I was kidding around. No, that's the bow's energy. Um, you can also impress a crossbowman by talking about the arrow's velocity, which is measured in feet or meters per second.
1: That's right. And a lot of things can affect this, obviously. If you have uh, a long bow, it's going to be more powerful than a short bow because yeah. it, it just makes sense. So the size affects it. The shape affects it. A recurve bow, which is one of the ones I had growing up, is uh, it doesn't just come back in a U. It comes back in a U, then flares back out away from in the other archer. direction. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and at the top and bottom. Right. And what this does is it shortens the bracing height, which is the distance between the string and the bow when it's at rest, which means that since that's shorter, when you pull the string back and release it, it has a longer distance to travel before it comes to a stop. Which means it gives that arrow or bolt a little extra push. That's right. And also, the um, recurved bow uh, makes the bow even string, uh, springier. Springier? Adds a little spring to its step. Composition is another thing,
1: uh, Josh. Yeah. Ten, uh, density and tensile strength determine how much energy it holds. And uh, obviously, back in the day, they made them from things like U, Y E W, very strong <laughs> and very elastic. Not U. Not you, but you. Uh, modern bows a lot a lot of times are composite bows, which means when they need it to be rigid, they'll make it out of one material. When they need it to be flexible, they'll make it out of something else.
0: Right. And then they put it all together. To insane. make a killing machine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to make a zombie killing machine.
1: Uh, and then there are compound bows, which I had one of those too. A compound bow is uh, uses pulleys, little wheels and pulleys, to make it easier to pull back and hold once you get it there. Yeah. And that's called the let-off. Uh, once it reaches a certain point. Have you ever shot a compound bow?
0: I have. And that that sensation of pulling and then all of a sudden there's no resistance. And yeah. And you're like, this, I basically this very cool. bow is cocked. It's a very cool feeling. Like yeah. I could hold this all day. Yeah. Not all day.
1: But uh, it is very cool. And I, I had one of those and I had a regular little recurve. Uh, all right, Bill. No, my
0: dad, he gets into phases. He got into a bow and arrow phase? He got
1: into an archery phase and built a thing on, a, on our property and... You know, as my dad does, he went out and bought, like, a $700 compound bow. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he bought me, like, little miniature versions of everything he got. And he was a principal at my school, like I've mentioned. So he had, like, all of a sudden there was an archery program at school. And uh, it was fun, man. I, I shot a lot of arrows growing up. Did you hunt anything? No, not a hunter. Did, uh, did I hunted you have, targets.
0: Did you have a, a crossbow?
1: Uh, No. Never even shot a crossbow. But I had a little compound and a little recurve. That's very cool. But after this article, I'm dying to shoot a
0: crossbow. Yeah, I don't know anybody who has one. Uh, I bet, I bet you do. Is there like a whole like a group of people that have crossbows? Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar. I bet Matt Frederick has a crossbow. Matt, do you have a crossbow?
1: No, he doesn't have a crossbow. Um, he has a
0: laser gun though, a functioning laser gun <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that will just disintegrate you. Um, let's talk safety, Chuck. In this article, Tracy um, turns into Tommy Lee Jones in No Country for Old Men <laughs> when she says, do not point one at anything you do not plan to shoot.
1: Yeah, I don't like that rule. I think it should be that and. If, don't point it at anyone, period.
0: Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, it doesn't account for just goofing around. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's that's the what they say with every gun is don't point it at someone unless you plan to shoot them. But my rule of thumb is don't point it at anyone. Right. Because a crossbow, I looked it up to see if it was a good home security
0: feature. (laughs) I wouldn't. It's not. (laughs) Your insurance company would be like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) You want us to reduce it because you have a crossbow? They make little pistol ones, too,
1: with little short bolts. Chewbacca
0: had a pistol one.
1: No, he had a
0: bowcaster. It's like a pistol pistol crossbow, right? Then it shoots energy. Okay. (laughs) But it's the shape of a crossbow that's a pistol. I thought it didn't have a stock. I thought it was a pistol. Was it? Maybe it's just so big it looked like a pistol on him. We'll hear about this one for sure. Oh, man. Uh,
1: safety, Josh, you want to place the stirrup at the ground. Don't want to point it at you at all. Or
0: have a friend hold the stirrup while you cock. <laughs> no. It's terrible.
1: No, no, no. No, I'm saying do not do that. Yeah, do not do that. Right. You want to point it at the ground, put the stirrup on the ground, put your foot in the stirrup. Right. You want to brace it very firmly. Yeah. Make sure your foot's all the way in there because this is a lot of energy, potential energy you're building up here. Yeah. Um, like I said you earlier, you want to grab it, pull it equally on both sides, lock it into place, and the modern crossbow will automatically have a little safety that, that happens there. And there may be an additional safety that you can set after that. Yeah. Which is good.
0: You um also want to stand out of the way of the front of the bow. And I'm not just saying in the path of the arrow. Yeah. But that bow, remember, it's stretched toward you sure. when, the, when the string is cocked or when the string is pulled back. And when you release it, the bow flies forward and outward. And if your hand's there, it's going to smack it and probably break every bone in it. Yeah. And also, if you're hunting or you're shooting a target from behind a tree, <laughs> um, you don't want the, uh, the crossbow's bow to smack into the tree or else it's probably going to break the bow. That's right. And... St- Pricey and never dry fire.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I knew that just from common sense. Most types of things that you shoot, you shouldn't dry fire. Yep. But that means shooting it without a bolt. But it's made to shoot a bolt. Uh, it's configured to shoot the the weight of a bolt. So when you shoot it dry, yep. that weight's not there. So you could potentially break your bolt. And Tracy points out that dry firing voids nearly all manufacturers' warranties. Yeah.
0: So don't dry fire. <laughs> And again, never go for the extended warranty. And if you haven't listened to the extended warranty podcast yet, you should go back and listen to it. It's pretty good. Really? Yeah. Man, I didn't know they were good back then. Yeah, they're good. All right. Yeah, because we just took this completely boring topic and really went to town on it. It was a good one, Chuck.
2: Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo.
1: My last piece of safety advice is get a bolt that uh, is rated for your crossbow. Well, yeah, because you you don't want to you can't just put any size and weight in there. It's figured very specifically. Exactly. You can't just say,
0: man, look at that big bolt. Let me put that thing in here. Yeah. So when the zombie apocalypse comes, you better know what your crossbow is rated for. That's right. Um, and don't drive on the autobahn in tires that are rated for a lower speed than what your car can drive. Things you should know. Uh, If you want to know more about the Autobahn... I just changed the name of our show, by the way. (laughs) You did. If you you want... Do you want to tell them the real name? Stuff you should know. Okay. If you want to know more about the Autobahn, extended warranties, and crossbows, you can type any one of those three, or all three together, and see what comes up in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, that means now, friends, it's time for listener mail.
1: Josh, this is another soldier shout-out. We're suckers for those. And the one, uh, Norman Torres, the other day we mentioned, I forgot to mention, that's the dude that I sent the jump drive to. Oh, okay. With every single one of our podcasts
0: on it. Man, that must have been a huge jump drive. It was about as big as my pinky. And you know why I did it? Because he asked. You are going to be doing that a lot more often now
1: I have a feeling. No, no, you have to prove that you're saving lives in Afghanistan in order to get that. So this is from another dude. This is from uh, Sergeant Gabriel Eberhardt. Uh, Greetings from Iraq. I am writing you today from the center of civilization, aka the Fertile Crescent, Iraq. Mesopotamia. I am a combat engineer in the U.S. Army on my second combat tour. I have had the opportunity to have wireless internet and have been downloading many of your podcasts, and I listen each evening during the day while on patrol in MRAP, Mine Resistant Armored Patrol. MRAP. I've heard that. These are like Hurt Locker dudes, I think. I'm not positive. I relay, the pl- uh, I relay the podcast I listened to the night before over the headset to the guys. It is great for breaking up monotony of looking for IEDs. Oh, yeah. I guess they are Hurt Locker guys, huh? Mm-hmm. And talking about the usual Army-related stories. My soldiers have learned about many interesting things like human cannonballers, schizophrenia, parkour, and con artists. They especially like the play-by-play on shrinking human heads. I bet they did. Uh, in summary, on behalf of myself and my soldiers, just wanted to extend our thanks the both you guys sitting in a convoy of vehicles with the same dudes for up to 12 hours a day. It's kind of like taking a year-long road trip, but on the same roads. Wow. Well, sort of like a Twilight Zone episode. And guys, in your own way, you're both doing great things for your country. I don't know about that, but I'll take it. Yeah. So uh, I told Gabriel Everhart Sarge that we would give those guys a shout-out in the Mason province of Iraq. So dudes, if you're listening, we love you. Be safe. Come home in one piece. Seriously. And uh, thanks for everything you do. Yeah. For
0: schlubs like us who just run off at the mouth. And we're sorry about the parkour podcast. (laughs) And if you have a special request, we will strongly consider it. He did actually.
1: I I didn't leave that part in, but it was about Mesopotamia, I think.
0: We did that one. Was Mesopotamia the cradle of civilization? Well, there you go. Yeah. Go look done it up, and man. done. <laughs> if you have another one that we haven't done before, send it in. Email Chuck back and we'll see what we can do. Uh, and if you have a request, a special request, um, let us know why we should entertain it, uh, what it is, and, uh, we'll see what we can do. And there's three ways you can contact us aside from saying hi through our system of Campbell's soup cans and String. Sure. Um, you can tweet to us at syskpodcast.com. Um, you can uh, visit us on Facebook, facebook.com slash know, and you can send us an email at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com.
1: Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Discover a career that matters at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Be part of an innovative team delivering world-class health care and benefits to America's veterans. Enjoy robust benefits, work-life balance, and career development opportunities. Join a diverse and inclusive community that values your unique background and skills, a community where nearly one in three of your colleagues are veterans themselves. Apply now at vacareers.va.gov.